Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Can we clap our hands to the Lord? Made a commitment to Him. I've made a commitment to Him. Would you stand with me tonight one more time for the reading of the Word again? As Brother Everett's already stated, let's remember... Brother and Sister Boyd in prayer was there at district conference this week in Ocala preparing. And don't forget, tomorrow night services will begin at 7.30 and Friday night at 7.30. And if you're at all able, that would be a trip that would be well worth our investment in the kingdom. Turn with me tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Had the privilege to be at a Harvest Conference, Friday night and Saturday. and Brother Aaron Soto spoke of some things and just sparked a thought in my mind, and I just want to share that with you tonight, if I may. Uh, nothing new. We're going to visit a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, but I, I think it, in the day and time that we are in, the world is, we all know that it's ever-changing, and it's changing fast. And as a church, if we're going to reach people, we've got to adapt to change. I'm not talking about changing doctrine or, or anything of that nature, but, but we've got to be prepared that whatever may come at us or whatever, way, whatever we may go out into the world and reach, we've got to be prepared to do it. We don't, we don't walk onto a, a job site if you require tools onto your job sites. You don't show up without some tools to work with. And, and harvest work or kingdom work is no different. We, we've got to be prepared and we've got to have some tools to work with. And Paul is speaking of this tonight. And I just want to take a journey with, uh, through what Paul is saying. And if you will, I'd like for you to join me. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And under the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I, may, that I might gain the weak. I am made of all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Everybody say, save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Father, I love you, and I'm so thankful for the privilege to be in this place. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can come to this house and feel the anointing and the power of God. And I'm asking that you clear our hearts and that you clear our minds and help us to receive what you would speak into our life tonight, Lord. Not just to hear, but to do. 
do kingdom work, God, and do what you've commanded us to do in your word. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord, and I just ask you to bless us in the name of Jesus. And the whole house said amen. Before you're seated, turn to someone and tell them how glad you are to see them tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to us on this title of a relevant church. Uh, the word relevant by Webster's definition simply means bearing on the matter at hand. And the matter at hand for us is the lost in trying to reach the lost. And it's a very common mistake uh, without knowingly doing so that churches get caught in this trap. We have the sign out front with the, the specified times of our services. And uh, if we do anything special, we have that announced and we unlock the doors. And if we're not careful, we can fall into a rut or routine thinking that everyone outside the church knows that we're here. They know what time we have church. And if they need something, they'll show up. But that's that's not the attitude that we can take towards towards that because Maybe in times past, maybe in the early church, people were hungry for things and not to in, insinuate that they're not hungry now. But this world, for lack of a better word, is so messed up that people lose focus and they don't know where to turn to. And it's up to you and I to present the gospel in a way that people realize there is more to life than what I'm living and there is something here that I can turn to and, and help me and research over the past decade undermines the mistaken notion that you can just open the doors and they will come people are staying away from churches in record number and it's time as a church that we ask why are we not a vital link and not this church in particular but the church at large why are we not a vital link to the unconverted and what can be done to change the faltering outreach in our churches in some cases Americans are turned off to both the message and the messenger of organized religion to many the church has appeared withdrawn and self-serving and, and that has can take place so easy we can develop the mentality of us four and no more and and you know we will stay here and inside these walls and we'll we'll preach to ourselves and sing to ourselves and everybody outside of us that don't join us they can they're just kind of on their own and they they can figure it out for themselves but we've got to realize that we're here for a purpose and God's called us and he has saved us so that we may can help others too many of the church has appeared this way and, and leaders often leave behind shattered lives in the wake of compromised leadership. The church's reputation, as many of you know, was dramatically eroded and confidence in the church leadership greatly shaken by the scandals of the 80s. In the 70s, well over half of the adult population expressed confidence in religious leaders, but that number plummeted to 22% in the late 80s and early 90s, the church must consider the question of relevance. Recently, a denomination surveyed a southern city. I read this the other day and found it interesting, where, where they desired to plant a church. And they surveyed, and the survey centered around just a single question. It says, why don't you attend church? 78% in the area said that uh, 
they didn't feel that it was necessary. It had no value to their life to attend church. 34% believed the church had no relevance to the way they, to the way they lived. But what, what overwhelmingly caught my eye was that over half of the people surveyed had a response or a reply. And they say, any time that I have visited church, I felt like I was being judged by the congregation. Not judged by the preacher, not judged by someone from on the pulpit, but they said they felt judged by the congregation for perhaps the way they was dressed, their appearance, or whatever it may be. And that's why I pose that there is a high cost of not understanding the generation that we're trying to reach, not doing the homework necessary to gain a fair hearing of the gospel. We've got to understand that it's possible to be culturally relevant and at the same time we can remain biblically sound in our approach to the unchurched. These, these two ideas are mutually exclusive. It has been said that on, the only person who likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. And, and, and I know that's a bit of an exaggeration, but from my own observation, what little that is, most people have a hesitancy towards change. Uh, we don't like change. I, I don't like change. I'll be the first. I'm a, I'm a creature of routine and habit. I like my socks here and my T-shirts here. I like them folded a certain way, and, and I'm just a creature of habit, and I don't want nothing changing. I, I'm kind of like the little Midwestern preacher in a church that said uh, change is sin, and, and we sin as little as possible around here. <laughs> those who have reached, uh, and I say this respectfully to our elders, but those who are in their 80s and 90s and even approaching 100 have seen some radical changes in your lifetime. Uh, you remember not just when man landed on the moon, but when he first soared in the sky. Several years ago, I took a, me and Jennifer took a trip with my grandparents to the mountains and um, if you've never been on a trip with my grandparents, you have greatly missed out. Just ask uh, Sister Betty and Brother Farrell and Uncle Danny and Aunt Jane. It's a, it's a treat in its own. But we, we had stopped at a rest area, and I had went to the sink to wash my hands, and I, I noticed Grandpa coming up beside me to the sink over. He was watching me, and he was looking at the sink. He had looked back at me. And he didn't figure out that you got to stick, you know, you could stick your hand under there and the little thing would read your hand and the water would cut on. And I said, here, Grandpa, just run your hand up under it and, and the water will come on and you go to washing your hands and when you pull them out, it'll shut off. And he said, wow. And you know, at the time it didn't sink in, but as we, as we traveled down the road, I began to think about some of the stories he would tell about having to water mules with a pitcher pump and, and, and having to catch rainwater off the eave of the house to take a bath in. And here he has seen, has seen it transform from that into this. And I, I apply that to the church. We're seeing, we're seeing things change now like we never imagined would be. Uh, the moral climate that we see has also seen some radical change. I mean, 50 years ago, uh, who would have believed that we would have had abortion on demand, legalized uh, gay marriage, uh, physician-assisted suicide, open nudity on television, and performers like Miley Cyrus and Lady Gaga would be allowed to conduct themselves in front of the public the way they do. 
And, and who would have ever guessed that these types of changes would, would take place? And even though they make us feel uncomfortable, and they should, we we got to understand that this is the culture and society that we live in. This is where God strategically placed us, like, like Esther said, for such a time as this. This is the world. This is our world. This is the world that, that we're called to save. We have been called to bring the gospel to the people of this generation. And if we're going to do that, and if we're going to do it effectively, we've got to use some of Paul's examples here and present this message of Jesus Christ in a relevant fashion. I believe the church should be culturally relevant while remaining doctrinally pure. And I know this topic this evening is uncomfortable, but I'm also aware that it's very easy for me to be misunderstood when talking about being culturally relevant as a church. So I want you to be assured that I'm not talking about political correctness. I'm not talking about watering down the gospel or anything of that nature. And I believe it's important for us to realize that there are some things that will never change here at Hatchman Apostolic Church. In 1940, the message was preached that you've got to come here to repent of your sins. And then, you, then you've got to move into baptism and, and be washed in the blood of Jesus. And then you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking in other tongues. And in 2015, that message hasn't changed. You still have to find yourself at an altar of repentance and you still have to go down in a watery grave and you still must speak in other tongues. It was John in 3 and 5 said that except a man be born of water and of spirit. He, he made no mistake. He didn't say may not or perhaps not. He said cannot, cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in a world of constant change, it sure is good to know that some things never change, and he's one of them. He doesn't change. He's, he's always here. He loves us. And his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the grave will be su sufficient. You know, Paul petitioned, petitioned Christ about a, a particular ailment he had. And, and finally, in conclusion, Jesus said, Paul, my, my grace is sufficient. And, and I believe that what he was meaning there was just more than just, just the grace of God. I think what he was referring to was everything about God is sufficient. If you've got God, you've got enough. You don't need nothing else. Not just the grace of God, howbeit that that is very important, but, but he's enough for everything. Isaiah said the grass withered and the flower fall, but the word of God stands forever. Peter said, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. The word of God stands for all time as a revelation from God's mouth to our ears. It will never change and it will never take second place in the church or the world or anywhere else for that matter because it's the word of God where we get our directives for our worship, for our lifestyle, for our choices, for our instruction, and for salvation, and this will never change. Titus 1 and 9 is an instruction for those who will hold leadership positions in the church, and it says that those who hold these positions must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who opposed it. He's given instruction here about witnessing. And nowhere in Titus or nowhere in, in, in the New Testament 
As a matter of fact, you'll find where when we're, when we're called, when we're saved out, that we, we finish those years sitting on a pew and just showing up to church every time the doors are open. We've got a responsibility as a separated people, as a peculiar people, We've got a responsibility to reach those who don't have, you know, it's, it's often overlooked, but, and it's referred to as the gospel is the good news, and it really is the good news. And we've got a responsibility to share this news. And as we grow older, hopefully we, we get wiser and more mature and are able to have better discernment as we age and, and we change physically as we get older, don't we? Everybody change. I heard somebody say the other day that he's, he's uh, suffering from the three B's. And I said, the three B's? He said, yeah, baldness, bifocals, and backaches. But we change, and we've got to be, we've got to adapt to change. Many of you here have hurt your back or had some kind of ailment, and, and what happens when you hurt your back? You, you find another way to pick something up and to move something where it don't hurt your back as bad. And as a church, we've got to find other ways to reach people who are unsaved because the clock is ticking. The midnight hour is almost here, and we've got to push more now than we ever have. The ethnic makeup of our culture is also changing. The Caucasian population is at almost zero growth in our country. While the African American, the Hispanic, and the Asian populations in our country are experiencing double-digit expansion. In fact, should the Lord tarry by 2050, and that's not that far away, only half of the nation's population will be Caucasian. Well, I may not even be here then, Jerry, so what does that matter to me? Well, it matters for this church because Gage and Case and Connor and Drew and some of these young men here, that's who they're going to be ministering to. That's who they're going to be trying to save. And, and that's who they're going to try to lead to a one God apostolic church. And it's up to you and I now to make sure that we preserve this and we preserve this by growing. And we can only grow as a church when we become committed to doing kingdom work. Matter of fact, we're experiencing this in our church right now with our Spanish brothers and sisters. And I, I thank God for them. What a tremendous asset they have been to our church. And we've got a responsibility. See, there's people Brother Fears can reach that I can't reach. Brother Kenny, Brother Kenny has the ability to reach some people that, that I can't reach. And I, I can reach some that you can't reach. And, and, and those men back there have the ability to reach people that we don't know. And we've got to make sure that they have the tools and the equipment that they need to go out and bring the harvest back. And that, that's why we stand as a, as a church because the apostolic church has the ability to adapt to the culture in which we live. Nothing that transpires today has caught God by surprise. He knew exactly what would be happening in this day and this time and he knew what we would face and he also knows what it will take to win the lost. While Jesus Christ, his word and the truth will always be part of us and that will not change, many other things in our lives are in a constant state of change. Technology, outreach methods, teaching styles and much more are always being adapted to reach those who are unchurched or who are lost, as well as to disciple those who are new to the church. Jesus preached from a boat on the Sea of Galilee, creating a natural amphitheater, and tonight I use a microphone and we sit in a climate-controlled room. 
Paul, he wrote on parchment and, and wrote with a quill and ink. And, and last night, I used Microsoft Word on an Intel computer to, to print my notes. The early church studied from scrolls and parchments. We have dozens of translations of the Bible that's bound in, in any kind of way you want it, any kind of color, shape, or fashion. We have Bibles on computers, Scripture that you can find in, in just seconds on the computer. But we know that God changes not. However, he is a God that has the ability to change the environment around us. The very first verse of the Bible gives us an example of this. It said, in the beginning, God created. He made something. He changed something. And he, he's not very pleased at all when we as the church try to put a stranglehold on his creativity. When he's trying to do something, when he's trying to move on somebody perhaps in the congregation and he's doing it in a unique way and we, we try to quench the spirit or we try to say, well, that's not normal and maybe that's, that's not always how we've done it. God, God's not pleased when he's trying to reach and we're steady trying to hinder. He wants you and I to minister with all of his creativity and power. And if we're not careful, we can... We can become so caught up in, uh, well, this is the way we've always done it. And we miss an opportunity to do something out of the box that God is trying to show us. Don't, don't misunderstand me and think that I am against tradition because if, you, if you've spent any time with me and you know me very well at all, you know I value my heritage and tradition. I've, I've said many times I was born in the wrong era. I should have been in the 1800s. But God put me here for this time. God sometimes uses unique ways to reach the lost. And we've got to be in tune with the Spirit and be able to discern when God is requiring to reach something in a manner that we're not accustomed to. Um, we face situations, and I don't say this boastfully or arrogant, but the men on the um, on our prison team and our outreach teams, we, we face some situations sometimes that, we don't face in church. We have to deal with some things that, that you're not going to see here. And matter of fact, you're not going to see them in everyday life. But when you step behind that, that fence and you begin to bring the gospel, God will prepare us for what we face. That There won't be nothing that he can't overcome and there won't be nothing that he'll just leave us hanging there with with not a reply. But we've, we've got to be ready when God says go. When I read through the Bible, I find verses that tell me about a new song, a, a new heaven, a new earth, a new wine, a new life, a new covenant, a new creation, a new man, and a new command. Our God is a God that can change some things. He doesn't change, but he changes things, and he calls the church to be willing to make that change with him. So we see that some things never change and that some things always do. So if you would consider with me, what is the challenge that we're facing then, Jerry? What is it, what is it that we've got to do? Well, we must minister to our culture without compromising this message. Let me try to tie all this together in four ways that we can answer this challenge. Number one, to meet the challenge of ministering to our culture without compromising this message We've got to have a biblical worldview. A worldview is quite simply the lens through which we see our world. And whether you realize it or not, we all have a worldview. There, there's a way that you view the world. And what we've got to do is make sure that our worldview aligns with, with the word of God and with him. 
Paul said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if we're going to see the world and if we're going to see people through the eyes of Jesus, if, if we're to have his worldview, we can't base our feelings and attitudes on a person's nationality or, or their language or their social status. But we've got to love everyone as God's love him. They're, they're his special creation just as we are. We've got to embrace that. Number two, to meet the challenge of ministering to our culture without compromising our message, we've got to be willing to embrace new methods. Jesus was the master of presenting the truth in the language of his culture. He used objects. He used seeds and soil, situational parables. He used coins and camels and fig trees. All these things pertain to the audience that he was ministering to. That's why we have a drama team. That's why we have an outreach team. That's why we have an inreach team. We have to apply the things that, that we know and can do to different areas to reach people. Everybody, everybody don't like loud, fast music. So sometimes we have to slow it down and play some, some things that people recognize. And when that, when that takes place, you, you can't get, we can't get mad and blow up and say, well, I don't like them songs, so I'm not going to stand and worship today. Well, we have no idea what that particular song may be doing and moving in somebody else. And so we have an obligation to, we've got an obligation to worship, but we've got an obligation to stand and support. We've got some people, I don't mean to get on a soapbox, but we've got some people that spend a lot of time practicing, trying to put stuff together. And it's downright discouraging to stand here and watch nobody <laughs> react or move. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Let me move on. <laughs> but God wants his church to sing a new song. He wants us, he wants us to worship in our services. And our worship is not just any worship, but this is apostolic worship. And the difference in us and everybody else is our worship comes with anointing. You know, there was a day and time where it was frowned upon to clap your hands or or jump, or perhaps make a loop around the church. But you look at other places now. Everybody wants to hoop and holler and shout and carry on, and that's fine. But without the anointing of God, it's a waste of time. And that's where we begin to separate ourselves because we have the anointing of God. I'm thankful for the anointing of God in my life, and I'm thankful that he sees me where I'm at. Pentecost is seeing a growth, seeing a tremendous growth. And some think it's the worship, or some think it's the music, and that's why you see many churches and many denominations adapting to that. But that's not the case. Why people are drawn to this apostolic doctrine is because it's real. And it's the feeling you feel is it's real. God is real, and he, he, he lives in us. Number four, to meet the challenge of ministering to our culture without compromising our message, you and I must practice the art of becoming. To follow Paul's example is not easy. In fact, it does not come naturally, but it can only come through the help of God. We can adapt and minister 
to this day and age. And when we make an absolute commitment to it, as Paul did, we're not talking about compromising biblical truth, but being flexible in our approach to both evangelism and ministry. Paul says that he was free from all men, that, that is, he was not obligated to conform to any man's idea or opinions, but he had been set free in Jesus Christ and was obligated only to be conformed in Jesus Christ. But Paul surrendered himself and actually made himself a servant. He made himself a servant to all men. Why? So that he might win more men to Christ. You want to be a soul winner? Become a servant. You don't have to preach no elaborate message. You don't have to give no hour-long Bible study. If you want to make a difference in the life of the lost you become a servant and start helping them and see if they don't if they if they're not drawn to to the way you act and the in the way you carry yourself paul says that he was free and paul's going along with the opinions and customs of others does not mean that he was compromising his convictions nor does it mean that he was being two-faced but what it means is he was trying to get next to the men that he was trying to win gaining their confidence and trust so that they would pay attention to his witness for Christ. I'll back up again and say, you don't have to give an hour-long Bible study. Get next to somebody and let them see how you live and how you conduct yourself. You don't have to say a word. They'll be drawn. There'll be something different. Paul became a Jew to the Jews, that is, to those who were under the law. And when Paul was ministering to the Jews, he went along with their custom and laws just as long as they didn't violate his walk with Christ. His standard was Jesus Christ, not the law. But he placed himself under the law when ministering to the Jews. Paul became a non-religiousness to those who did not observe the law. But there's a critical fact here. It does not mean that he became lawless and immoral. He still obeyed God. He just didn't go around acting holier than thou and trying to tell people how to live and how to dress. We can... If we're not careful, we can get caught up when people come through that door that the first thing we've got to do is to get them to dress like us. And, and well, I, Come on up here. Let me show you how to dress. Let me show you how to act. And then you, then you can come to this church. But if we'll leave trivial stuff like that alone, you see, the Holy Ghost... The Holy Ghost still saves people. Contrary to what we think, it doesn't take grabbing somebody by the jaws and shaking them and saying, spit it out. The Holy Ghost can work on its own without any help. And I, I, you know where I'm coming from. I'm not talking about not assisting and praying with people in these altars. But if we would sometimes just let the Holy Ghost do its work, and just be an encourager to those who were seeking, things would go much better and we would get along a lot further and, and, and allow the Holy Ghost to dictate in someone's mind. You know, we can force people to do anything. You know, people can be forced to do anything. That doesn't mean they're going to like it. Well, I, I love this way of life. And so if we let the Holy Ghost do its job, People's going to fall in love with this. And when you fall in love with this, then you really got something that's real. And we've, we've, got, to, we've got to be careful 
Paul became weak to the weak Christians as our musicians come. He laid his personal liberty and rights aside in order to reach the new and the weak who were lost. He would not dare become a stumbling block, nor would he cause them to shut him out of their lives by offending them and thereby lose his opportunity to help him. You know, sometimes we could probably go a lot further in winning people and I'm not talking about biblical opinion, but I'm talking about personal opinion. If we would keep our personal opinions to ourselves and just focus it on sharing the Word of God, people would be more drawn and more apt to, to want to come see what this is about. Paul clearly states his purpose for conforming to the customs and opinions of men. He said, I've made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And we've got to... We've got an obligation, ladies and gentlemen, to follow in Paul's footsteps and become all things to all men. And that, that's, a, that's a difficult task to do. Some of us, some of us are more inclined to stay at, stay at home and we don't like to, if we're not working, we want to be at the house and we don't want to be out and about. But to save a soul, to help win the lost, we might have to get out and about sometimes. Sometimes we might have to make some changes in, in the way we do things because whether we want to face it or not, the world is changing. And again, I want to emphasize, and I hate to sound repetitive, this, this doctrine's not changing. This gospel's not changing. But Brother Allen, if we're going to win some people, we're going to have to learn how to change some things in our life. In 1865, an editorial in the Boston Post read this. Well-informed people know it is impossible to transmit their voices over wires, and even if it were possible, the thing would have no practical value. 1897, Lord Kelvin said the radio has no future. Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM in 1943, said, I think there is a world market for maybe about five computers. And in 1977, Ken Olson, the president of Digital Equipment Corporation, stated there is no reason why anyone would want a computer in their home. If you would stand with me across this house this evening, while I'm sure that these were all fine men, they were not visionaries, and they didn't understand the changes that were to come to the world. And as this church, let's don't make the same mistake. Let, let's realize that our culture is radically changing. And if we don't adapt to the changes, I love each and every one of you. I love seeing you every service. And please do not be offended, but you're not the only ones I want to see. I want to see some more. I want to see this house filled. I, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see God moving in a way that that we have not yet seen. And, and we have that ability as a church. We're doing that as a church. We've got more things going on right now than anyone could ever dream of. Successful things, not just, just wasting time things. Our outreach department is, is over the top uh, busy. And I say busy in a good word. We've got a, a food pantry going on that's touching countless lives. We've got an inreach department. We've got so much so much to reach the lost all we got to do is plug in i think it was brother everett several weeks ago that talked about if you wasn't plugged in you don't have no power the power source is here 
but we have to plug in. We've got to plug in, and we can do that as a church. Would you lift your hands? Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity all to praise your holy name, and I'm thankful, Jesus, thankful that you place the responsibility on me to win the lost God and to preach this gospel, this good news. And what I'm asking of heaven tonight, Lord, is just you give me the strength to continue on. God, help me not, let my mind not get set on one particular thing, but keep me open, God. Keep me with the ability to to change when you need me to change. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.